the Wisconsin Music Podcast. Smart Mouth, the niche is what genre of music? We call it 2000s party anthems. Uh, essentially, if you looked at our playlist, we play over, well, we play 50 plus songs for a show. We do a three and a half hour show, play 50 songs. And right now, currently, we're actually going through song ideas to tweak things a little bit. But we've actually got 30, exactly 30 number one hits from 2000 to 2020. Okay. Um, and then we've got, I think, 13 top tens. And then there's a handful that are kind of band, you know, band pleasers. You know us musicians. We yeah. like some, <laughs> some right. of that different stuff. But, but uh, you know, for everybody in their 20s and 30s, they know every single song. And I would say people in their 40s and 50s know at least 60% of them. And sometimes it's because they liked it. Or some, sometimes when you get with the <laughs> older people, it's because their kids listen to it and they're right. familiar with it. But we kind of hit in the 2000 to 2020 genre, we kind of hit, you know, like epic movie songs, stuff that's on TV commercials, stuff that's, you know, obviously streaming online. Back when there were CDs, stuff that was on the Now This Is Music CDs, things like that. And we worked real hard. I pulled every single Hot 100 billboard list from 2000 to 2019. I dumped them all on a Spotify. Here to introduce you to the great musicians and music businesses and organizations of Wisconsin. Every week, Wisconsin Music Podcast will be bringing you great information on what's happening in the Wisconsin music world. For our music-loving listeners, we'll bring you music that you haven't even heard of yet from unique and talented artists and hear about their journey so far. You'll either hear live performances of their songs or songs from their selected discography. For our musicians out there wondering what they can do to further their recognition, we'll be calling upon Wisconsin music businesses and organizations to enlighten you on what they're doing to help further your music journey. And now, here's your host, Zach Fell. Thanks, Dean. Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode 16 of Wisconsin Music Podcast. I hope everyone had a great New Year celebration. Um, this week we have Jeff from Smartmouth, a 2000 to 2019 cover band. So let's get right into it. Jeff, thank you for being on the Wisconsin Music Podcast. It's good to be here. Why don't we kind of start with your musical origin story? Did you play instruments when you were a kid or what led you to where you are with the music today? Well, yeah, I played around with some instruments when I was a kid, the neighbor's piano and stuff like that. Kind of got into band late junior year of high school like baritone horn and it kind of went from there i was a big marching band dude okay i actually made a deal for my first bass guitar on the marching band field with a tuba player <laughs> and <laughs> yeah 40 bucks and uh, this was in college like two or three years into college you know just as a study break i started throwing cds in and, and playing bass and someone taught me how to tune and the rest is history i kind of um uh, I think it was a year later, I auditioned for a show and had to learn 40 songs and did this big horn band experience. And, and cool. uh, it was, yeah, it's pretty cool. And that kind of gave me the bug and started a band out of college called The Switch. Did that for a few years, then took a break while I became a, a manager at work and had a baby and got married and all that stuff. Came back, and then we had a band called uh, The Johnsons, which was primarily an 80s band. We did 90s. Um, and we, we did fairly well in southeast Wisconsin. On and off, we, we did that for about 15 years. 
then after that, uh, I joined up with uh, Gino. For, he used to be with the toys. Mm-hmm. And uh, we kind of converted the Johnsons into big shoes. And we did that for about five years. And that was, you know, a lot more 80s, uh, 90s. And, you know, that kind of uh, was a real fun experience, but kind of wrapped it up. And then I got frustrated. And that's what led us to uh, Smart Mouth. Cool. So what years were you, did the Johnsons start and turn into working with the guy from the toys? Yeah, uh, the Johnsons, I believe we started in... 1998 okay and that went until i want to say 2015 let's just say 2015 and then almost immediately we put together big shoes okay so right around there i've always been the bass player and then uh i'm a business guy so i've always kind of been the leader also what music projects did you find that were your most inspirational well this this current music project is the absolute most inspirational just because there's a lot of challenge to it. I was told by a lot of my long-term musician friends that it would never work and I'm going to fall on my face. So um, I don't want to jump ahead too far, but uh, Smart Mouth has been very, very rewarding. Having a great time with it. In fact, I've been booking the band for the last two days solid nice. during my vacation. Yeah, uh, very, very inspiring. Uh, the Johnsons was was real fun, too, because going back to 98, probably a couple of years before that, the term 80s band really didn't exist because we were so close to it. No, right, no right, one ever right. called it an 80s band. <laughs> so I used to talk you know, to Jimmy from the Toys and a lot of the other band leaders. And, oh, yeah, the 80s are hot. And sure enough, it just took off and exploded and still hot. Yeah, I mean, you got Cherry Pie that's been doing it for 20, 25 years. That's, that was inspirational, too. A lot of things, you know, playing Summerfest, you know, something as a kid I thought I would never do, you know, just standing up there and looking across the crowd. It's like, this is crazy. A lot of surprises. Those The surprises are the things that, that really you hold on to the most. Right, exactly. Since you're probably within the same ge- generation as I am, kind of went through high school in the 90s kind of thing, right? Well, or, 80s, or yeah. 80s. <laughs> I'm 80s, a little older than you. Yeah, yeah. 80s into the 90s. Yeah. So, you know, like 20 years ago, we had websites like Milwaukee Rocks and Sonic Bids and all that kind of stuff. Did you use any of that kind of stuff back then? Yes. I was, you know, throughout the years, an avid user of Milwaukee Rocks, you know, just the classified area to network and find people. So yes, Milwaukee Rocks. I even used it a little bit in 2018, putting this together. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's still around, but I guess everybody's more into the nowadays social media stuff, which is obviously Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, everything else under that umbrella. So what do you do now? Do you take those new social medias to promote your groups that you're in? And if so, how do you do so? Absolutely. I am a Facebook addict. So I am the manager of Facebook for Smart Mouth. I'm a maniac, and I'll admit, since uh, COVID and being inside so much, I'm probably a little too much. But I promised myself that I would do something to help the fan base and help booking and help name recognition every day. And the way I do that is on Facebook. 
I am probably a member of, I want to say almost 350 groups, Facebook groups. Oh, wow. I've got a couple concepts. Obviously, I'm in all the groups that are music related and band related and venue related. I spend a lot of time there. And when appropriate, you know, I post videos, I post images, post events and things like that. And then again, because I've been inside for nine months, pretty much, I started thinking, you know, I want to be where people are living their regular life. So I kind of went into adjacent groups like entertainment groups, community groups, can't think of any specific examples, but I try to not be obnoxious, but I do try to be present in areas where people are living their regular life and they just so happen to see something about smart mouth. Like I said, I'm 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 all over the place. A couple people complain, but a lot of people are like, oh, you know, great. Didn't know there was a band like this, or I that's cool, you're coming to my hometown, et cetera, et cetera. So I do that. And then my daughter happens to be in our band and she actually manages Instagram along with our lead singer, Ashley. The way we do Instagram is we don't post that much, but we do tend to kind of look at bars and restaurants and events in each town that we're going to play in. And we look for related people that we would like to follow in those towns about one to two weeks before we get to that town. And we follow them, and a lot of times they follow us back. And I, I would say we we added we started at zero. We probably added two thousand people this year on Instagram. Again, that's a lot more mm-hmm. understated than Facebook. That's you know a picture here, short video before the show, things like that. But uh, we're trying to do that. We don't use any of the other socials right now, uh, as far as like TikTok or any of those things. Uh, we do not use Twitter. We do have a, a YouTube page, but nowadays with Facebook, you know, I think I just did the numbers. We, we have, I think, over 196,000 video views this year on Facebook. You know, that's 500 here, 12,000 here. You know, uh, right. this, one, this one video that we had that's really good is at about 114,000 views. So, yes, we use Facebook and, and that's our main thing, even for videos. Are any of these videos during COVID or are they all pre-COVID videos? <laughs> that's a really good question. Uh, the, the video that's had 114,000 views, that was literally taken on February 28th. So about three weeks before, two weeks before the world ended. Yeah. And uh, so so that's that. And then we kind of sat out for a while. We did play in June and we had a crazy video. It's still up where, you know, people were going nuts. And that kind of went both ways for us. That, That showed that the band was popular, but it also ticked a lot of people off. So after that, if I post video of the band that has been done since... June, I try to just do band shots. I don't show crowds, you know, cross mingling and so on and so forth, because everybody has their own opinion and no one can win on, you know, in that conversation. Gotcha. Before COVID, did you do any like studio recordings or home recordings of the of the band? Um, actually, we we have not. Believe it or not, we had a lot of people with pretty good video phones and so on and so forth, and we kind of just put it out there as fan video. So we really don't have any professional video. 
Smartmouth, the niche is what genre of music? We call it 2000s party anthems. Uh, essentially, if you looked at our playlist, we play over, well, we play 50 plus songs for a show. We do a three and a half hour show, play 50 songs. And right now, currently, we're actually going through song ideas to tweak things a little bit. But we've actually got 30, exactly 30 number one hits from 2000 to 2020. Okay. Um, and then we've got, I think, 13 top tens. And then there's a handful that are kind of band, you know, band pleasers. You know us musicians. We yeah. like some, some right. of that different stuff. But, but uh, you know, for everybody in their 20s and 30s, they know every single song. And I would say people in their 40s and 50s know at least 60% of them. And sometimes it's because they liked it. Or some, sometimes when you get with the older people... <laughs> It's because their kids listen to it and they're right. familiar with it. But we kind of hit in the 2000 to 2020 genre, we kind of hit, you know, like epic movie songs, stuff that's on TV commercials, stuff that's, you know, obviously streaming online back when there were CDs, stuff that was on the Now This Is Music CDs, things like that. And we worked real hard. I pulled every single Hot 100 billboard list from 2000 to 2019. I dumped them all on a Spotify playlist and, you know, sorted through them and sifted through them. Our new, uh, our lead singer, Nick, he kind of came up, he's he's the youngest guy in the band. He kind of came up, he's like, listen, if you say a song title and almost everybody instantly knows what the song is, that's a good song. Mm -hmm. And and we kind of follow that now. Yeah. You know? Um, uh, you know, we, we do, you know, Jonas Brothers, we, we do all kinds of stuff. Um, uh, Kelly Clarkson, because our female singer's a screamer, you know, Taylor Swift, all those those songs that, that uh, have been around all over the place. Local venues, open mic, coffee houses, bars, summer outdoor festivals, trade shows, obviously pre-COVID. Were you a part of any or all of those things? Um, we mainly um, focused on uh, venues and, uh, you know, venues in, in multiple parts. So you got the basically the, the bars that has have an occasional band or you have the, the bars that basically are in business to have bands like Saloon. Saloon has, I think, live music Wednesday through Sunday. Then you get the live music venues like we play live at uh, 1175, which is in Kansasville. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's a little bit different business model, but they're also in business to have live music. Then we'll do places that once a month do a band or once quarterly. It has the it's changed a little bit, you know, obviously over the last year. Yeah. But we also play, you know, private parties and we play a lot of events, just signed uh, tie up bar, you know, summer party in Okachi, which is <laughs> insane. You know, that, so that's going to be a tent gig. We, we did Lake Mills Town and Country Days, which is a traditional festival. Uh, we haven't done any church festivals yet, but those, you know, like I said, the last two days, I think I contacted about 30 churches for 2021. You know, that's, that's, that's pretty much it. You know, the ones that we like the best are the people, the ownership or the event managers that are just super, super energetic and really help promote. I mean, I'm a, like I said, I'm a monster promoter, but I really appreciate the venue owners that hit it hard. It's kind of like a one-two punch and it creates synergy. And, and those are the rooms that work the best. 
Why don't you kind of describe what you mean by that? Well, it, I'll, I'll use my favorite example. is uh, It's called Dino, et cetera, in Oconomowoc. The owner is Brian, and he kind of, it's it's a small place. And when we first looked at it, we're like, where are you going to put a six-piece you know, six band in this place? But we figured it out, and we're like, are you sure? Are you sure? You know, because, you know, uh, you know, we don't make a gajillion dollars, but we, we charge a fair rate for what we are. Right. Anyway, he's like, yep, absolutely. Don't worry about it. So um, Brian is the type of guy that uh, not only promotes on the Vino, et cetera page, he promotes on his um, personal page. He's got a number of very close friends that are, are not really employees. They're like very close people that are at the bar all the time. And it's like a task force and they'll share things. They'll talk about it. They'll invite people. They're texting people, you know, first several songs of the night, sending out videos. And, and that's, that's really, you know, that's what works great. Brian's energy and the fact that he, he promotes through his business, he promotes through his personal page. He's, he promotes, you know, obviously verbally to everybody that's in the place. You got to see these guys get, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you know, and then that's combined with all those groups that I told you about that I post in, posting on my personal page, posting on the band page and everything kind of comes together, you know, because Facebook only shows about on a good day, 10% of your audience, anything that you post, you know, we're all kind of just getting our separate 10% and hopefully getting 30, 40, 50% of the, the audience gotcha. to know what's going on. So it's great. Now, some some ownership, you know, I'm not going to name any, but sometimes, you know, they don't work hard. Yeah. Or they put it all in the band, which is which is fine. But, you know, uh, I can really only talk to my people and the general public. I can't really talk to their audience. They have their audience. So it's just a lot longer process. Right. If it's if it's the band doing most of the promoting. I hear you. Yeah. Obviously, you've been playing venues for years and years and years. So, Let's kind of talk about red flags. So throughout your time as a performing artist, what are some like major red flags you have observed or experienced that up and coming musicians um, should look out for? A big red flag is playing any and every show, which is a red flag if you can't get people in there. So if you have a, a feeling like it's a, it's, um, a venue that's not going to help promote or something like that, you might want to think twice about that as a young man. I, I constantly say, I probably put it in a hundred emails today, literally that, you know, you got to set the band off in the right trajectory. Yeah. Meaning like with, with Vino going back to Vino, everything came together. And even with COVID, the place was packed. And after, ever since that first, first event, we still work hard. But it's a lot easier because everybody that was there had so much fun. It wasn't just music. It wasn't just a good band. It was really an event where everybody had fun. So anyway, um, I would be 
careful, you know, to uh, for young bands to do shows that are going to be empty. Empty shows actually hurt you. So, again, you kind of have that, that's a crystal ball thing. <laughs> you, you don't know who's going to show up. Right. But you have to you got to swing, swing, swing away. The other thing, too, is, you know, uh, it kind of piggybacks off the same thing is, you know, venues that aren't configured right. Um, you know, sometimes the bars in a separate room is the band. And that's really tough. That's really tough because, you know, people like to stand by the bar. Mm. And it takes away from you can be you can sound great. You can be the greatest band in the world. But if there's nothing happening, if there's no people watching <laughs> besides the band. Right. You know, they think you're you're not that good. And then another red flag is, uh, and this is hard, even in our band, not every, not all six of us always promote everything we're doing. So um, uh, as much as, as you can for young bands is if you have four members, all four of you have to be promoted. You have to. You have to, you know, swallow real deep and you have to literally text people and ask them to come. You know, because typically you're not asking one person. They're going to show up with one or two people, mm-hmm. you know, more so. You would hope. That's yeah. another thing. Yeah. That's about all I can think of right now. That's fine. Kind of still staying within the local scene. Let's talk about local scene attitude. What do you, over the years, what have you seen that has suppressed or oppressed the the live local scene? Well, this is really, de- this is delicate. I personally have an issue with quality control meaning venues not really knowing what what they're bringing in for live music and i'll try to explain you know especially a venue that charges a cover charge your customers trust you if you're a venue owner and if you bring in something that's sub quality and you're still charging a cover charge it hurts next week's band who might be great who are charging the same cover Right. So I don't know, you know, I don't know the answer to that, but but quality control drives me nuts. And and I do, you know, once I build a relationship with, with venue owners, I do try to encourage them. You got to keep your quality up, you know, um, either pick out of the group of bands that kind of do it with a mission or pick bands that are hobby bands, which is fine. There's there's way more hobby bands. Yeah, there are, you know, serious entertainment acts. But when you mix them, it's it it really can hurt you because, you know, one day they're paying, you know, ten dollars for Balakane. And then the next week they're trying to get eight bucks for Joe Schmo's band. And it it just hurts because, you know, if it's not good quality and there's not people. When I say quality, a lot of times the quality is the number of bodies in that room. So, so that's, that's one of the things that frustrates me. And that is definitely a pitfall of venue owners. Do you think, um, if they advertise like certain nights are hobby bands and certain nights are the ones that the bands that are really trying to break out of their local scene, do you think that would help? I think that you're a genius for asking that question. I've, (laughs) I've always believed that, you know what, if you are, karaoke on Tuesday, if you're open mic on Wednesday, you know, whatever your your program is, you should you should pick your lanes and should stick to them for at least 90 days. You know, it's okay to switch things up quarterly. 
But I do think you need to train your customer to know what to expect. So yes, I think that's a great question. I I, I do think that. It, you know, I think a good a good um, example of that is Sloon on Calhoun. Dave does a great job of kind of doing triage with what's going on. So he does have, I believe he has an open mic night. Uh, he may or may not do karaoke, but if he does, it's all consistent. So it's like, you know, Tuesday and Sunday. And then his customers know that they're going to get an outstanding, up-and-coming, quality, quality band on Friday night. And right now, I don't know if it will change right now, he doesn't do cover on Friday. And then Saturday is the absolute guaranteed, the, the big names, the Cherry Pies, you know, the Love Monkeys, you know, those types of bands on Saturdays. And, and I think his customers kind of know what to expect just by the day, day of the week. Gotcha. Yeah. I think that's best. Like you said, if the customer knows what night certain venue is hosting, whatever niche they're doing, it's going to help both parties in the long run. Let's flip it. What do you think is helping the local music scene? Obviously, COVID notwithstanding, what's helping the local music scene get more of the limelight? Again, I think managing quality and um, putting their all into every single event. Even places, like I said, you know, Saloon is what? Uh, if you start on Wednesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Let's say it's five days. They put their heart out on every single one of those days and every single day i see dave's posts in about you know a dozen or two dozen groups and that just makes each one better because there's more bodies there and so on and so forth i think them building their facebook audience is key i think the industry's a little bit behind on instagram i'll be honest i don't even get instagram <laughs> but but <laughs> But it is definitely something that's helping smart mouth. So, you know, I, I think building their audience because there's people that just like their their vibe and their bar, you know. Yeah. And that just is, is key. And then tapping into them when the time comes, you know, um, some bars do some paid advertising. You know, they'll kick in 20, 30, 50 dollars for a certain show to advertise to their people. Like I said before. You know, on a good day, Facebook might show 10% of the audience whatever message. Right. You know, if you kick some money at it, they're going to show a larger percentage. And that's something that we do as a band. I'm right now during COVID, I'm, believe it or not, I'm spending $100 a show and, and I'm advertising to a general de demographic, which is females 21 to 29 years years old because they like to the dance and they're going to bring their, their boyfriends and what have you. And girlfriends and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So like 75 bucks goes towards them and 25 bucks goes towards our audience. And I just promote that event to our people. Right. Well, and you, you, it seems like you're treating this as a business where you have to invest in your business in order to grow your business. Yes, correct. I, I, I am a small business owner besides Smart Mouth. And yeah, that, I didn't understand it until I did the other business, but you're <laughs> absolutely right. 
right now is a lot of investment. You know, I'm not taking bags of money to the bank every week, but right. um, I do see the forward progress. But you're right. We might have even taken some of the fun out of it if someone listens to me too much because, <laughs> you know, I did this whole this whole smart mouth concept was on paper. I, yeah. Well, on my computer, I did an outline, bullet points. This is what I want to do with this. This is what I want it to be. And then I worked backwards, found the musicians that could do it and so on and so forth. It's just like a business. I had a business model. Then I filled in all the pieces, you know, and now we're executing the plan. It stinks about COVID because right. it slowed everything down. But yes, we treat it like a business. But our fans don't really realize that. You know, they just know that if they go, they're going to have a great time. Right. That's all they really care about. Yeah. You know, obviously, yeah. You obviously you created a business plan, like you said, you had it bulleted out on paper or virtual paper, whatever you want to call it, and and you found quote unquote your employees, your band members to help grow the business. And I think a lot of the professional bands out there, they kind of have to think of it the same way. You know, anybody that's in the you know the Billboard top five hundred, you know, you know household names, they have to look at it as a business, otherwise they're not going to survive out there. Correct, and and you know. Um, I'll kind of jump off to the side for a second, if, if you don't mind. No, go ahead. As far as the product, that was an interesting thing. You know, when, when we started this or when I started this thing, I, I looked at it and I said, okay, I'm, I'm getting a little bit older. I'm the oldest guy in the band by far. Um, everybody's substantially younger than me. But I looked at it and I said, I got one more good project in me. I said, do I really want to do another 80s band and go head to head? with cherry pie and uh you know the toys have changed a little bit but the toys and all those bands that i grew up with and i love and i still go to see when i'm not, not playing yeah um you know uh, mount olive you know those types of bands um do i really want to go head to head with them and and i the answer was no i don't so you know i looked at it and um you know we talked about um you know, I talked about doing something new. I looked at it. I'm like, oh, 90s was kind of depressing. <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a couple 90s bands. So why don't I just leapfrog over the whole thing and let's do 2000s? And I was kind of bouncing off some people in the industry that I know. And they're like, you know, Jeff, you are, you're crazy. You're going to fall on your face. You, you are absolutely nuts. And I said, why? They're like, young people don't see cover bands. They just young people don't go to see cover bands. So then I sat down with my virtual outline. I'm like, well, why is it? Is it because virtually every band out there is actually designed for young people's parents? There was no band designed for the young people. So is it a chicken egg thing? You know, are young people not going to see cover bands because they don't see bands? Or is it because none of these bands are for them? Right. So, so that's kind of where we came up with that thing. And, and, uh, you know, that worked. We're finding that they're spreading the word even during COVID. They're saying, holy crap, I actually know all these songs. I like all these songs. Remember this in high school? Remember this in middle school? This stuff's great. You know, then the other question, you know, uh, since I'm rambling on about it, the other question was, will, Old people, and when I say that, I mean that lovingly because I'm old. So <laughs> will Generation X go see a band that plays newer music? 
And that's been my biggest hurdle because people that buy entertainment, you know, festival people, event people, chambers of commerce, fire departments, you know, venue owners, they, it's a leap of faith. They, they're unsure if their customer base, which really is 45 to 60 now, are are they going to buy into it? And what we're finding, I've been scared to death about this, but what we're finding is if they are a cover band fan, they're part of the scene and they love live music, you know, they might not know all the songs, but they like it, you know, and again, you know, they know it because they've heard it in the car, they've heard it in movies, they've heard it on TV shows and all those things. And we do it well. It's, it's delivered well because I got young people up front singing. So I've actually, believe it or not, I've had some of my old school friends come up to me after shows and go, you know what? I thought you were absolutely insane. This is fun. And it works. And and actually, you know what? I'm still going to go see my favorite 80s band. But if they're not playing, I'm going to come see you guys. So it's working. And, and, you know, the way I pitch it to venues is it's a change up to 80s and country, you know, because that's really all Wisconsin has right now with, you know, the the circles that were in kind of the, the A, B level band that do, you know, the bigger shows. Right. You know, there's not too many. There's either 80s country or there's complete variety, soup to nuts variety. So we chose to be none of those three, picked our own lane. And um, as far as product differentiation, we got it. And, and, you know, luckily I found some people that can sing the stuff and deliver the material. Um, Otherwise, we probably would have (laughs) fell on our face, you know. But I was talking to um, Rachel at Wisconsin Harley-Davidson. And I and she's like, I just don't know if riders are gonna like this stuff. I said, Rachel, we we just did Milwaukee Rally. We did we did it last summer. I said, you have you have not seen anything until you've seen a Harley rider <laughs> dancing to T Swift. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're fun songs, you know, yeah. Taylor Swift and, and Miley Cyrus and that kind of stuff. You know, um, they're fun. But anyway, yeah. Yeah, the the old people, the the older people, and when I say that again, I'm old. They're enjoying it, and I think once vaccines start getting out to you know a lot more people over you know the next six eight months, I think a band like yours is going to be something that they're going to be seeking out. They want to go and have some fun. They've been stuck basically at home most of the time over these last over the last year. It's going to be over a year. And I think we're going to see either a bottleneck or an explosion in the live music scene. I totally agree. Let's kind of, because we're kind of wrapping it up here, let's kind of look into the future. Where do you see Smart Mouth in the next three to five years? I would like to, you know, basically check all the boxes. I I would like to be a part of, um, you know, Budweiser Pavilion Wednesday Night Lives. I'd like to be at a lot of the concert series. Um, You know, the Lake Country region has a lot of concert series. Church festivals. Obviously, Summerfest, we already do State Fair, and I think we got three shows already at State Fair this year. And that's that's really it. And I would really like to see 
my ambition to kind of gently push forward the cover band scene, I'd like to see more and more of those younger people in their 20s coming out and bringing their friends. And, and again, even during COVID, we had kind of, a, we played a lot in November and December. And we're really seeing these young people, they're not believers, you know, they're friends of ours. We're like, come on, come on, come on, check it out. Check. Right, right. They finally come and they're just, they're astonished. They're like, oh my God, first of all, your band doesn't suck. I can't believe it. And then second of all, this stuff is really fun. And this is the stuff that I, you know, listen to in my bedroom, on my iPod, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, so we're seeing them come week after week and they're bringing more people and everyone's having a good time. So that's the biggest thing I would like to see in the next three to five years is the scene getting these 20 something year olds involved and keeping them involved. Yeah. And, and kind of replacing, you know, us Gen Xers that are kind of falling off the map, you know? Yeah. Speaking of your, your iPod, uh, do you have any local artists that you're listening to lately? Uh, local? Well, I don't really listen to a lot of local original. My favorite is Greg Koch out of Milwaukee, guitar genius. That's pretty much my my favorite guy. Um, I still watch a lot of the the old school people that I used to go see, um, like Snowpack every once in a while when he plays and things like that. But again, I'm an older guy, okay. so that's basically about it. All when right. I go out, when I go out, I go to see other cover bands because okay. I enjoy doing that. So, uh, you know, Mount Olive, the Toys, Love Monkeys, you know, uh, all those guys, right. One of the last questions I ask is about work-life balance. You talked about being a small business owner. You have a kid who's in the band, and then you also have the, the band itself. So how do you balance your work life with your personal life? It depends on who you ask. <laughs> uh, I am pretty much not diagnosed, but I'm OCD like crazy. So I do my 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 small business during regular business hours, you know. Eight o'clock to five o'clock. That's what I'm doing. The, the business is called Wipers One Two Three. That's when I do that. And then every morning, I'm I'm an early riser, so probably from about five thirty in the morning until I have to go to work at eight. Uh, that's all band time, and and I I grind it every single day, seven days a week, and, and do that. And then on weekends, I'll go until you know noon on the band. But uh, I have a very very supportive girlfriend. She likes to do what she likes to do. So that gives me free time to do what I want to do. I think in 99 out of 100 relationships, it probably wouldn't work because I really am a grinder. But that's kind of how I do it. And, you know, I can tell you that 10 years ago, this wouldn't work. My girlfriend would leave, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, but right now at this stage in my life, it, it works. It really does come down, you know, for the younger bands, it comes down to utilizing those moments, you know. It's making that decision with that five minutes that you have to update your promo materials or post something on Facebook or post something on Instagram or not. And the tendency is most people do not. Yeah. You know, so so it's a little, you know, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. So you got to get those little moments in. And that's that's how I, I balance it. You know, if I got five minutes, I use it. I don't waste it. You said you've been booking uh, gigs for the upcoming season. Where's your first three gigs going to be? Uh, our next gig actually is right by 
you, Smart Mouths at 1175 on Saturday, January 30th. Then we're up in Watertown at DJ's uh, February 13th. That's a Saturday. Then we're in Germantown at a place called Bubs on Saturday the 20th of February. And then we got a double header February 26th and 27th. Friday the 26th, we're in uh, Oconomowoc at Vino, etc. And we are in Muskego on the 27th at AJ's. That's in, uh, yeah, Muskego. What's your website? Actually, we don't have a website. We use Facebook and it's at SmartMouthMKE. That's the handle. Yeah, at SmartMouthMKE. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for being on the Wisconsin Music Podcast. Hopefully we get to a point where we can meet in person. I can go out and see you guys play. Excellent. My pleasure. Well, there is episode 16 with Jeff from Smart Mouth. I hope you guys learned a lot from Jeff. Definitely had a lot of great information in this episode. I would like to thank Nate Wyckoff of Frequency Farm Recording in Wisconsin for writing and recording the opening theme song for Wisconsin Music Podcast and also getting me in contact with Dean Bundy, our voiceover intro guy. Also, Jacob at CWHipHop.com for syndicating the podcast every Monday at 4 p.m. at CWHipHop.com and ZTF Studio, ZTFStudio.com for sponsoring the Wisconsin Music Podcast. And ZTF Studio website has just been updated, so check that out. And here's Smart Mouth playing us out. Have a great week, everyone. Tonight's gonna be a good night